so much for joining us on the Perfectly Blended Podcast. This podcast is for blended families, for couples that want to strengthen their marriage and want a brighter future. Perfectly Blended exists to break the stigma of divorce, drop the shame and guilt holding you back, and equip marriages to thrive instead of just survive. We believe all that is possible in this life is based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. So season four, episode four, today we want to talk about the stepdad's perspective. If you were on our podcast, uh, I don't know, this was probably two or three episodes ago, we did a perspective of the stepmom. And I think it's super helpful for us to have perspectives from each side. It's helpful for the the mom or the wife and, and vice versa. So today we wanted to make sure we do that. Would she say, I bet you were both super what? I don't know. Oh. I was going to try and see what she said. I can't see it, so that's okay. If it was sideways, I could see it. Crazy. Are we ready? I don't know. Are you? Yeah. With that sigh, are you sure? Yeah. That was pretty frustrating. That was a frustrating sigh. It is frustrating when things don't work out, though. Actually, if you're in Michigan, tomorrow we have this massive snowstorm that's supposed to commence. And so uh, it's like everybody is like preparing for the doomsday of the world, like everything's ending. So it's kind of funny, actually. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I guess we're going to jump right into it. We can't do our countdown. There's so no small sad. Talk. Not countdown, but our little intro and it's sad. So welcome to the very first time of us ever having it like shut down on us, like technical difficulties. Yeah. This I actually mean, is we the had, first time ever. Yeah. We had kind of technical difficulties when we were on the cruise because we thought we would be able, since we paid for internet, we thought we'd be able to record it and post it while we were at sea and we couldn't. So we had to wait until almost an entire week later to do that. But we anticipated and we're okay with it if it wasn't going to work out. Yeah. Today, it's like we're in our office and everything is supposed to just work like it normally does. We've never had a problem before. I always get in an extra hour, hour and a half early to make sure everything works, everything's working. And then it just stopped, so... It just stopped in the middle of it. Stupid. So this is what this is. This is the result. Yeah, I see that. Are you ready? Yep. All right. So I am going to be interviewed by my lovely wife. She has some questions. I'm not looking at your questions. We have to be close together right now. I know it's weird. Yeah. So we don't have a choice. So uh, she's going to ask questions, and I'm going to answer them. So go ahead, fire away. The interview of the stepdad. Question number one. Mm-hmm. What was the hardest part for you when we were first blending? What's the hardest part for you? The hardest part for me probably when we first started blending was that uh, I thought my son was going to hate me. Mm-hmm. I actually thought he was going to hate me and not want anything to do with me because I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And the transition, I thought it would be a lot easier than what it was. Mm-hmm. And I really did feel like my daughter was much more easygoing than my son. My son was not, my son doesn't change. He's not good with change. Change is extremely hard on him. Yeah. And he was still pretty young. I mean, he was under 10 years old. So, um, and he was ex- super upset about it. So I just assumed, uh, you know, that transition was going to be a lot easier because I knew that I loved you and I knew that my kids would love you. And I didn't realize us getting together and you moving in that, uh, that it was going to be that hard. 
I didn't know. I didn't realize that it was going to be that difficult. So when you started feeling, though, like your son was going to hate you, how did you deal with that internally? Like, how did you... Because you never gave me the feeling like, okay, well, he's going to hate me, so we can't be together. No. So how were you dealing with that internally of how you were going to balance it? I think the best way that I can describe it is I was really fairly newly sober and I was doing a lot of putting my head down and getting through things. Mm. And I really feel like that's probably the way that I coped with it at the time. I'm like, this relationship is something that I want and uh, it's just going to, the things that's happening with my son is just going to have to get better. Like, I don't know how, it's just going to have to be figured out. What I did know is that I wasn't going to give up the relationship with you and I, I knew that I wasn't going to do that. And so, uh, I dealt with it probably in a very unhealthy way. I just buried it and didn't just try not to, I just tried to push through. Well, I mean, and I think I can be transparent with saying like when you and I first got together, you put a lot of your identity in your son. I put almost all of my identity in my son. So yeah. like for those of you that don't know, like when Josh and I first got together uh, and we moved in together, there was a time that he, he pretty much, Oh, used to have his kids, I would say like 80, 90% of the time. And then after I came in the picture, it kind of was like the, you know, the other side wanted to take advantage of their days that they were supposed to have because they wanted to get them away from like him and I being together. So for Mother's Day one year, his kids obviously were with their mom and my, I had a tradition with my kids that I took them. There's a local park around here. It's called Formar. And we all went to Formar because of course it's mother's day. So I have my kids cause I'm the mom and we were walking around and it was really weird because we ran into someone. Josh was newly sober. We ran into someone that he knew and he, you know, was talking to them and he was saying like, you know, these are her kids, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, as we got away from the person, Josh was like, I just really am struggling because I don't want him to think that I'm one of those deadbeat dads that don't have my kids. And now I'm just here with my girlfriend and her kids. And so that was an internal struggle that you had mm -hmm. when we first got together because you wanted everybody to know like what a great dad you were too. And you struggled if someone, you thought that someone was going to think you weren't. Well, I've always struggled. And, we, you know, I've talked about that to be fully transparent. I've always kind of struggled with the, I don't want people to think that I'm not a good dad or even a good husband. And, you know, so I've always kind of struggled with that anyway, making, trying to make sure that people like me or think highly of me. So I already struggled automatically with that. But being newly sober, I think, just amplified it. Plus... You know, I had been single for a while. You know, I had I had you know changed my ways a lot when I sobered up, and I had been completely single. So the really the only thing sobering up that I really had to focus on hardcore was being a dad. Yeah. And you know, and so that you, you could measure that you were doing good. At. Absolutely, yes. That I thought was healthy. Correct. And, and yeah. really, to be honest with you, I was probably doing it in an unhealthy way. Because uh, I was putting all my identity in Well, that. the healthiest way you knew how. Right. It was healthier than what I was doing. Correct. And so doing that, though, when you and I got together, I felt like uh, this was going to devastate him. Yeah. Which I didn't realize the impact it would have. But I do understand now that, I mean, he was going to bounce back. We would have handled things very differently. I understand that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But now, hindsight, but, uh, you know, I didn't realize at the time that it was going to impact it the way that it did. You know, would I do things differently? Absolutely. Would so, I, would I what would you have done differently saying that? 
So what I would have done differently, and if you've watched our show at any length of time, it's something that Christy and I both regret highly not doing, and I completely agree with it, is that we didn't spend any alone time with our own children during uh, our blending times. Yeah, Yeah. we didn't do that. We figured, let's blend, let's push all in on this blend, and, you know, let's just get it going, let's treat everything as normal, and, you know, even though things weren't normal, we wanted to, you know, normalize every single thing that we could. Yeah, when we tried to do that, and I think, you know, we did the thing that Ron Deal says not to do, and we tried to microwave the heck out of our family. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to become this great leader of our family in all these weird ways, and, you know, I was a stay-at-home dad now, and Christy was working, we were trying to figure that out, and I was trying to be a good stepdad, but at the same time, I didn't know how to be a stepdad to her kids, and, you know, so it was, yeah, it was, if I'd change anything, that'd be the one major thing in the beginning that I would have changed. I agree with that. Yeah. This is about your perspective, but that would that would be from a stepmom's perspective too. That would yeah. be my one big thing I would have done differently. Yeah, it was hard. So what are you most grateful for? Probably the most grateful that I a thing that I am of this whole process is that I happen to be with a woman that uh, wanted to grow and change in a healthy way along with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that really had anything to do with blending. I think it had everything to do with, in the beginning, it had to do with recovery. Mm-hmm. And then it had everything to do with, I'll get emotional, but it had everything to do with uh, trying to transition our lives into being more Christ-like and mm-hmm. being part of a church and trying to raise our family in a, a more of a godly sense. And I had no idea what that looked like. But, uh, you know, as time went on, I became more grateful. But today I'm still grateful for the same thing. I actually feel bad for people that I see going through recovery or even blending that their spouse isn't on the same track as they are, mm-hmm. you know, and and I understand how special that is now. You know, it's a very special thing. And so, you know, not everybody can say, oh, my spouse is 100% on board with making changes. Was it easy? No. Do we always get along? No. It was really hard in the beginning, but we always tried to get better and we always tried to do it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so unbelievably thankful for that. One of the things that we feel like, and I know I can speak for Josh on this too, one of the things that we feel like we have one up on most other blended families is the fact that Josh and I were alcoholics and we went through a recovery program. So what a lot of people don't mm-hmm. know is if you've never struggled with like a chemical addiction or never sought help for like a gambling addiction or a porn addiction, you know, we run this cell. Well, Josh runs the Celebrate Recovery Ministry at our church, which is a Christ-based recovery program. Yeah. So that is even another one up in our personal opinion of that. Because if you go through a secular recovery program, it does help you get sober and get healing from hurts that you have in your life that you need to personal grow and heal from, but it doesn't really connect you with your creator, which is Christ. So then when you get a recovery program that is Christ-based and it shows you how to healthy walk through the 12 steps, submit your life to God, that God helps you have that personal growth. God is the compass for your life. So that is even, we. that's why we want to create this community for blended families because we have a recovery background that that is what most people need is that personal growth and how to work through like becoming better and better and better at communication, about being more mature emotionally, being there for your spouse. And that takes a healthy individual at their core. And we feel like that's what a lot of people in general are missing. Everyone should go to Celebrate Recovery. Everyone should. Everyone should work through a 12-step program 
because that leads you to where you should be in your life and how you should continue to grow and then turn around and help others that are behind you, you know, in, in the program. And then also put God at the center of it. So I'm glad that he, that you brought that up because Mm -hmm. that is what has set our relationship apart among even a lot of nuclear families that we have. They're very toxic and they're not on the same team. And when you're going through a recovery program, you understand uh, what success means in your relationships with other people, let alone your mm-hmm. spouse. So um, I think that's very important. That yeah, I mean, that. as a stepdad, you know, I started to understand the importance of taking personal responsibility. Recovery taught me that, you know, a Christ-centered mm-hmm. recovery program really taught me the grace and love of Christ and how important it is for me to turn the fingers back into thumbs and start saying, hey, you know, the problem can only be solved if I'm willing to be obedient to Christ and to, to change the things that I can change and leave the rest up to God. And I believe, you know, as we started to develop our relationship, Christy and I did together uh, with ourselves and with Christ, the whole, you know, three different things in our lives that really completed it. We, I, I really felt like I was able to become a stepdad that was possible of leading my stepsons. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly believe my stepsons absolutely love me. I do believe that, you know, and I believe that I've, 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 they do respect me and I've poured into them though. And at times when it made it really, really hard on me, you know, I was able to lean back on what God has taught me through my recovery and through my relationship with him. And I think that's, you know, that's a foundational thing. It's weird though, because you can't just walk up to somebody and say, they're saying, you know what, I'm really struggling with my stepkid. I can't look at them and say, well, have you, have you worried about changing yourself first? Like people work on wants, not needs. Right. And so it's like, I want this relationship changed. Yeah. But what about your personal relationship? Like, what have you done with that? Like, so it's a really hard thing to tell people that they need to recover themselves before they're going to be fully effective. And it's hard. Yeah, I heard a powerful quote the other day that's, um, it's in a book that I'm reading, but it's not the person that wrote the book's quote. She quoted the person, and I don't remember what their name is. And I posted it on her Facebook page the other day, but so many of us look to God to save our souls, and that, but then we rarely continue to look to Jesus of how we should be living our lives as, a, as an example yeah. in life. And it's so true. Like, we want him to save us. But yet then we don't turn around and say, okay, how that's the example of how I'm supposed to be living now. And that's Mm self-sacrifice and uh, selflessness. And so many of us, myself included, I struggle with that. Like it's a day-to-day dying to self, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have to keep that at the forefront. So based on everything that you just said, though, I'm glad that you talked about all that. I had uh, wrote down kind of a two-part question. Okay. So how have you personally grown from the challenges that we've faced with being a stepdad, a dad, dad slash stepdad, mm-hmm. and a husband? Okay. What personal responsibilities, because you've obviously grown, I want to know how you feel like you've grown, and what personal responsibilities have you taken on from our past failures to help you grow? All right, so let's let's ask this one at a time because it's super in-depth. It is. And it's a lot. So it's me. So so what's the first part of the question again? It's about what personal responsibilities did you take to start with? Like, did you take it on saying, oh, this is my responsibility of our failures or hiccups or hurdles that we had to get through? Okay. So I would always say that I was always a pretty decent communicator, but I feel like that was one of my major portions to grow in because I'm I easily shut down. Like easily. If I get frustrated, I shut down. I mean, Christy can be testament to that which 
has changed over the time since we've been together. And so, uh, you know, when I feel like I'm being disrespected, I will say something. And if I feel like something doesn't change, I shut down and I pull away. And I really did a lot of that in the beginning. I did that with being a stepdad and a husband. And it was easy for me because I had to go into protect mode. And I believe that with my relationship with God through my recovery and having a supportive spouse, I learned like, no, we can talk through things in a healthy way. And the funny thing is, is in the beginning of our relationship, I was the one always dragging all the communication out of Christy. And, you know, that was really the turn that we had right there. But it was easy for me because it wasn't it wasn't turned on to me. And so as time grew, uh, Christy became extremely strong in that way. She was already a really good communicator at work. I mean, she's always had a ton of success in the corporate world, and so she was really good at that. But then she she started finding super success in communication at home, and I started becoming the weak one in that area because she would overly communicate in areas, and then I wasn't. I didn't want to talk about that stuff uh, because I wasn't ready for that. So, you know, it was just, that's probably one of the biggest things for me, learning-wise. You know, something that I needed to change is something that made such a difference in my own personal growth that I think has, I've been able to hand down to my children, to Christie's children, uh, and it's made a huge benefit in our marriage. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I, I was uh, a communicator when we first got together. You were more of a communicator because you had a lot of people, if you're watching, may not know this, but Josh was a year and a half sober when we got together, and I was not. I was still an alcoholic. So my anger or my emotions, I was emotionally immature when it came to handle handling conflict. So then he would, being already through his recovery, want to sit down and talk things through. And I would shut down or I would get angry and want to scream and yell. And then over time, as I went through my own recovery, something that had already been su- successful with at work, because I was a different person at work. I couldn't lose my cool at work like that. Um, seeping into, obviously, God was changing my life as a whole and now communication has become a huge like probably my most dominant strength conflict resolution and addressing issues in a loving way and being fine with handling that and uh josh of course has become a really good communicator too but i do think that the seesaw tipped more in my direction it has after the beginning it has but uh you know that's the beautiful thing about it as i've been able to humble myself and say you know it's okay it's it's okay that my wife is strong in these uh, situations. I mean, I said in the beginning of uh, of the show, you know, that's a real hard thing for me because I want to be good at everything or strong in every category. But that's okay. I've learned over the years it's okay that I'm not. And I've been able to learn a lot from Christy and humble myself with that and get better and become a better husband because of it and become a better stepdad because of it. And it's a really hard thing, especially when we're walking into a new family and taking on a new spouse and new kids. You know, we kind of get an ego, at least I do as a guy, you know, like us stepdads, we get a little bit of an ego about us. Like we're going to run this show and we're going to run this like a tight ship. You know, that's like a guy thing to say Mm -hmm. and a guy way to act. And the one thing that I can say is being able to learn from my wife and her strengths, you know, has really humbled me, but allowed me an opportunity to grow in ways that I honestly wouldn't have been able to grow in. So Christy is an amazing conflict resolution person. Like she's been so good at it that I believe that I've become very good at it, you know? And so I've been able, we've been able to feed off that. And the only thing that's going to benefit is me and my family and the people I impact. And, you know, that includes my stepkids, my kids, my wife. But that's how God has designed us to be, though, is a team. Because even though my I may be stronger, 
in conflict resolution and communicating, I still, and girls can get mad at me all they want, women are still more emotional creatures than men are because God has designed us that way. Yeah. So when it is the times that Josh and I are together and I'm getting, let's say something happens, especially if it comes to him or my kids, and I'm just like, you know, talking to him about it, and I'm like, oh, and he's like, hold on for a minute. Like, what? Like, let's just think about this for a second. He can calm me down. And then once he calms me down, then I'm like, no, yeah, you're right. Like, we need to talk about this rationally and let's probably get into solution mode. Cause I am really good at being in solution mode and let's hit, hit this directly head on. Josh has a hard time hitting people right between the eyes with things. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to sell it sell it like go around and mm-hmm. fluff it and I like going right like let's just get right to the point you know and talk about it yeah but his superpower is with people like not just me but anyone else because guys can still get angry guys suffer a lot of guys suffer with pride and so their first thing wants to be assert their authority and you know I'm gonna puff up my chest and I'm gonna show you who's the man in this situation and Josh's superpower is remaining like, hold on, hold on. Like, let, let's just talk about this for a second, you know, and getting the person to see from a different perspective. That's part of being a good salesperson. That's not a bad thing, is yeah. being able to get the person on the other end to see things from a different perspective. So that's why God made us, you know, spouses to be a balance for one another. We shouldn't be strong in the same thing. Our marriage would be unbalanced then if that was the case. I think it's important for people to know that we have to be willing to respect that though. Yeah. And I think with a guy, I mean, I can't speak for a woman, but I can speak from a guy's standpoint. Guys, our pride 90% of the time don't allow us. Like Christy even says to me, you know, I have a hard time with this still. Like it's still a struggle, right? She's like, you know, you tell me something constructive about me and I'm like, you know what? You're right. And I take it to consideration. You, it's, she's like, to, to you speaking to me, she's like, I got to bring it back to you like six or seven times and I feel like I'm nagging, yeah. you know, for you to really go like, okay, Christy, I'm hearing you, you know? And, and to be honest with you, I didn't, I don't really see it that way. But the more that I pay attention, I try to humble myself to that. The more that I do understand she's not wrong, she's right. And say, okay, my wife has so much to offer me that's valuable to this relationship that I need to learn how to put my ear closer to what she's telling me and not get offended or prideful or, you know, puffy chested, as you're saying, you know, and it's, uh, it's been a great thing for us. It's made, it's made our relationship feel more safe to you. Mm -hmm. It's given me an opportunity because she never attacks my pride. Uh, when I am trying to be humble, she doesn't say, I told you so, or make Mm -hmm. me feel little or small, you know, because I'm grateful. Yes, I know. But instead of to... saying though, but but instead of like most, I think most relationships, people are like, yeah, it's about time. Like I've put this in and in and in and I'm sick and tired of it. It's about time, you know? And it's like, you're not that way though. No, because you, I have to take that as like, oh my gosh, like I'm so grateful that it finally is sinking in. Not that I'm <laughs> mad about it. Like what is the goal? The goal was for us to be able to communicate better. And in those instances, when we are communicating better, why would I ruin the moment? Yeah. You know, like, I need to be grateful for that moment. Those are the God moments, you know? And that goes into, like, how have you personally grown from the challenges that we've faced? And that is one of the things is that he, it is true, like, not as much anymore, but he used to come to me and say, hey, you know, you really, you really, when this happened, you really get mad or you really get defensive. And I'm like, you're right. 
if I had gone into that, he wants to explain to me why he had the right to be that way. So he didn't feel like he got defensive because he felt like that was the appropriate response in that situation, mm -hmm. you know, and instead he's learning to, to listen to me more. And I was thinking that actually this morning on the way to work, I was thinking about like, what's the biggest thing in people's lives in general, whether it's relationships or when it comes to communication or even like say someone's single and they're struggling with personal growth and you can see that from an outsider, like they're backsliding or they're not actually progressing. And a lot of it comes down to communication, but it comes down to communication and honesty with yourself. So that's how like he has personally grown in our relationship and I've personally grown is that I can be honest with myself when it hurts and say, I really need to grow in this area. So when someone then addresses that with me, I have already been honest with myself. So it doesn't hurt my pride because I already know where I'm at with it. And I can say, no, you're right. And I'm working on that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I appreciate the feedback. You know, it's God putting me in check. Things like that. Probably for me, you know, on top of all of this, but, you know, the question to me was, yeah. you know, what is my biggest thing that I feel like, you know, for personal growth yes, wise? That you feel, yeah. That I feel is probably my ability to embrace different perspective, mm. you know, and being able to, to slow myself down and say, okay, maybe everything doesn't need to be done exactly the way Josh thinks it should be done. You know, I'm in a blended family. I have a step family. I have kids that live in my home full time that have another dad. Right. And so I have to be willing to slow myself down and change my perspective instead of trying to go through it and just just bull my way through every situation. Because I'm like Christy said, you know, I can turn on the salesmanship and I can convince and convince and convince, including myself, all these things. And instead of doing that, it's like maybe what I need to convince is just maybe change my perspective of the situation. And so that's made a huge difference, I believe overall me personally, the way that I feel about situations. Mm -hmm. I don't look at all things as doom and gloom. I look at everything as an opportunity and I, I don't look at things as, th I don't take everything personal, so. That's sweet. Yeah. And you're super good looking, <laughs> so that helps. She's so funny to me. Mm -hmm. That helps. That helps the spouse out with grace and forgiveness oh, when you're super good looking. <laughs> really, really, really good really looking. <laughs> For a movie. <laughs> what movie? Uh, okay, so what is a single piece of advice you could give other dads and stepdads? Because you are both, not all blended families are this way, but in our blended family, you are both a bio dad and a stepdad. That, um, so what's a single piece of advice that you could give that are to families that are pre-blending, pre-blending, or struggling with blending? Probably the biggest thing that I think that everybody needs, especially as a guy, is we need to be willing to reach out to other people that's been through this. And that's a real hard thing for guys to do. Because first off, we think we left the problem if we've gotten divorced before mm -hmm. and we're in a new relationship. We think this we already have all the solutions. And that's just our pride speaking. So I think, you know, if I give any piece of advice is, Look for help before you begin or in the beginning, yeah. you know, look for help. And I say help, whether it's some type of support, coaching, uh, community, counseling, support group, something like get attached to somebody that's been through it and has had some success and attach yourself to those people and learn from them. You know, there we, we could have shortcut so many things. We could have had so many opportunities to do things so much better 
if we were willing to say, you know what, maybe we don't know everything that's going on. Maybe we don't know how to handle all this. Maybe just loving her is going to be enough. That's just not the truth. Like, no. it just doesn't work that way. And, you know, being humble enough to do that, you know. So I think, you know, that's my piece of advice is get out of your own way in the beginning. You know, it's easy to get in our own way. So we have to get out of our own way. So stepdads, soon to be stepdads, uh, reach out to somebody that's already been through it and that's uh, has a family that you feel like y you would want and uh, create a relationship with them in whatever you know sense that is, whether it's family counseling, couple counseling, coaching, community, something like that. That's what I would suggest. Okay, good. And I think Josh, Josh and I, just if we're going to be completely honest, we didn't learn that to ask for help and stuff until probably two years ago. And the reason why I say that is because Josh and I both are extremely strong-willed, independent, independent people. Yeah. And so when him and I got together, I mean, we already had each other. And we're both strong, independent people. So we both yeah. literally, pridefully, were like, I mean, between our two brains, there isn't anything that we're missing. Nothing. She's not wrong. And so... Sadly true. Yeah. So we are both also stubborn, extremely stubborn. He's a little bit more stubborn than me. But we, the reason why we figured this out is because for Josh's open house, so his son's open house a couple of years ago. Yep. We, uh, like the day of, we're trying, like good at planning on all this food that we had to do and all this stuff. And literally this was a God thing. So many people in our community, mostly women, uh, I <laughs> just showed up at our house, like my friends from church, like my friends, you know, and I say from church because I want those of you that don't go to church to understand that I That's have a good, strong community of Christian women and men yeah. around us. And I had left to go get like the cupcakes uh, from Sam's that I had ordered. And of course, my best friend was with me. So they, of course they were coming. So that was a no brainer. So she went with me. Doug was with him. Yep. Stacy went with me to pick up the cupcakes. I came back and literally all my friends were here. And they like Noel and um, Shana, Carrie Nealis. I mean, there was... I think Angela Bradley was Angela here. Angela Bradley. Yeah. I think the Reeds showed up. I yeah. mean, I can't even name Shelly Hartwell. I mean, I can't even name all the people. There's so many people here. That showed up. My house was like overrun. Yeah. With... They were chopping and cutting and packing and setting up setting chairs. Up and, and, and their husbands, a lot of the husbands were with them. And I don't yeah. want to disregard them. They were going to get the tables and chairs and setting up. And I was so emotional that day over that. Like, mm -hmm. that was unbelievable to me, to a person that never asks for help and really doesn't get people offer her help. No one else's fault. I don't give off the vibe that You're gonna I take need it. it. Yeah. yeah. And so we, during that day when people were like, oh, my gosh, this turned out so good, I was I started crying, telling some people about it. Mm -hmm. So that was the start of it. And then him and I were really talking about, wow, because then when we did our event last year, almost a year ago, the amount of volunteers oh. that showed up to help. And then Garrett's open house this past June, it was no different. And it it really showed us, it, it was God taking us to, to another level, yeah. that we're not meant to do this thing called life alone. Nope. Even our marriage, like you need to have a community of strong other marriages around you, especially blended marriages to help you, to give you encouragement, you know, like 
when you guys are struggling with something or you can't come to an agreement on something or something and you know a married a married couple that's older you know than you that have mm -hmm. been married longer than you things like that so community is very very important i'm glad that you talked about that yeah I mean, when we talk about a stepdad perspective, what are the things that we suffer with the most? We don't want to reach out for help. That's the truth. I would say 5% of the guys are willing to reach out for help, maybe less than 5%. Mm -hmm. And those 5% of guys, though, uh, are impacted in such a way that they can't shut up talking about how they've been impacted by it. Yeah. So, you know, it's that's the thing is like, guys, we just need to get out of our own way. We don't know everything. And and women, you know, to, to tell you the best way to support your husbands going through this journey is understand that he needs you to be his greatest champion in his corner. Like, he needs you to tell him that, you know, he's he's working hard at what he's doing and that, you know, he needs you to encourage him because us guys, we are sensitive. Like, our egos are sensitive, right? Women can be, like, mean to each other. And then, like, the next day, they, they forget what they were even mean to each other about. No. Guys are different, though. They are, whether they want to admit it or not. We internalize everything. And so it's just super important, women, that you understand the best way to support your husband is to just be an encourager to him. You know, don't be quick to tear him down and tell him everything he's doing wrong. You know, we can encourage. And that's yeah. one thing Christy did, has always done in our relationship. She's not quick to nag. She's too smart for that. Okay, she's too smart. She's tactful is what she is. She understands how to get the most out of me. She knows because she understands the value in leading me from the back. And she knows that. And it's because, you know, Christy really is a high level thinker when it comes to these things because she's very goal outcome oriented, right? And not all of us are. And so, you know, with her doing that, she understood the, the worst way to get me motivated is to tell me how crappy or how bad I'm doing at something. But she understood if I encourage him through it, He'll be more apt to do it later and better. And so, women, I encourage you to do that for your husbands. It's easy to pick us apart because we're dumb. We're just sheep, right? We're just dumb sheep at times. And we need you to encourage us and, and, and help us in the ways that we need instead of pointing out all the things we're doing wrong. It's funny because I hear our, our pastor all the time talk about, like, I know, women, raise your hands if you're tired of picking up your men's socks and underwear off the floor. How often do you have to do that? I'm not tired of it because I don't have to do it. She has to do it. But I know I am wise to that. I don't want her to have to do that. Right? Yeah. I'm not oblivious. I, it's easy for me to be oblivious to things, right? But she doesn't nag me at the things that I become oblivious to. She encourages me through it. So I want to be better at it uh, throughout. And that's just so important. Well, and Josh and I really have become a very good team we, I mean, it, we probably were like three or four years into our relationship and we were talking to another couple or something. And I said, I don't think Josh and I have ever even talked about this, but we've just naturally, where one, where he doesn't do something, I will just step in and do it. So neither one of us are lazy, but like uh, the Q-tips, he doesn't ever refill our Q-tip holder thing. I always am, I just stepped in and I'm the one that does it. So and I use the majority of them. He uses the majority of them, but I he do. doesn't do it. I just step in and I don't complain about it. The bathroom trashes. So there's two bathrooms. The bathroom trashes, he doesn't like uh, tie up and take out to the regular trash and put a new bag in. I'm the one that normally does that. But what do I do with them bathroom trashes? I walk them out to the kitchen trash and I stuff them on there. You know, so he ends up technically taking the bathroom trashes out because it fills up our kitchen trash. And I don't ever take the kitchen trash out. Very rarely. He does that. And yeah. he does the dishes. I do the laundry. So we don't really focus on complaining about what the other person does or does not do. Mm -mm. Because if 
women can attest to this more so than men. If the women just stop doing everything that they do around their houses, in most relationships, the men are like, oh my gosh, what happened? But yet they don't realize how much the women do. It's no different in like our relationship. I don't realize how much he does. I don't need to sit back and just focus on the things that he doesn't do. Mm. I can just do them. And because if I actually took time to sit down and start listening, like who vacuums our house the majority of the time, who dusts our house the majority of the time, who does the dishes, who does the majority of the things around the house and makes our bed and all those things, it's him. Things that I don't think about, but if I took the time to think about, so yeah. I just appreciate you yeah. and I appreciate how hard you try to be a better dad and a better stepdad and a better husband every single day as we go through the new season of our life all of our kids are getting ready to move out yeah i'm about to be empty nesters i know so which is glorious he's very very good man i'm a extremely extremely lucky woman and our relationship definitely hasn't been all sunshine and roses but we've always maintained the same common denominator that we are on the same team yeah. and us working against mm -hmm. each other is not going to help our kids it's not going to help god's kingdom and it definitely isn't going to be a recipe for a good marriage. And uh, I, you're my biggest fan. Yeah. And I'm your biggest fan. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. I think it's important that we know that, you know, my, uh, you said it, the teamwork thing, but it's the, if I tore you down, it would, it would hinder everything that I would preferably want out of our relationship. And mm. I think it's really hard for people to see that. Like women may be on here like, yeah, but my husband doesn't do anything around and I think that's because, you know, maybe there's something deeper than that needs to happen first before those things happen. You know, these are the things like, you know, we we want to encourage uh, through all of this stuff, not nag until it happens, right? It's, you know, Christy Phil's uh, the Q-tip holder, right? Uh, you know, it's little things like that. And I see that and I think to myself, well, I don't want her only doing that. There's other things that I can do too. You know, and so we just make that decision in that. So, you know, we have to begin early on encouraging and encouraging and staying away from the nagging thing. Guys don't like to be nagged, even though they need to be nagged. And I don't I, like to nag. Women and, don't and like to nag. Yeah, no, we it, really don't. No, you and don't. And then it makes us angry because then we feel bad. Yes. Because we feel like we're a nag. And that's yeah. the last thing. Women don't, nope. or little girls don't sit and think like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to grow up and get married and be a nag for the rest of my life. No. That's it, not the way they think. No, and it's like people, women don't grow up and say, I want to have a grown child in the house. I've heard many women say that, that their husband is just a grown child. And that's because you need to focus more on the relationship portion of it and like, okay, let's get to the bottom of this, you know, let's share our concerns and build from there and that's something i'm really happy that we decided to do mm -hmm. you know that we focused and said i want to make this family the one i currently have better than anybody's family like anybody's family like i i strive to make this the best that it can be that god will bl keep blessing it in ways you know because we're honoring him with all that we do so as a stepdad as a stepdad as hard as it can be women know that you know just because maybe things don't seem like it's happening behind uh, the scenes with with your husband it is, and communication is what will really get to the core of that. So, so if you talking. could, what if, you know, there's a guy out there that is a stepdad or a dad, and, you know, they 
kind of don't know where to start to build or find even one like healthy relationship with another guy or whatever. I know it's super hard for guys. I mean, what would, what would your suggestion be? I think if you're involved in a church, the very first thing you should do is go to your lead pastor and have a private conversation and say, Hey, I'm looking for another mentor. And these are the things I'm looking for. I'm looking for one that has a healthy family a healthy blended family, preferably, mm -hmm. you know, and your pastor would be involved in so many people's lives already. He has a very good understanding. Trust me. Our pastor knows everything about everybody's lives in our church and we don't go to a small church. It's kind of scary. It's kind of scary yes, <laughs> but it's true. And so if you are looking for something healthy, Christ centered, that's exactly what I would tell you to do. And you have to humble yourself. I mean, it's, you have to humble yourself and say, Hey, I want to get connected with somebody. We have um, a, a man that's in our church. Uh, his name is Ken Hobson. And Ken Hobson is an amazing guy. He's an amazing guy. He is a dad of uh, somebody that's part of our life group, somebody that I'm on staff with at our church that's the same age as me. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's in his late 60s. He may even be 70, to be honest with you. But Ken cares about uh, other men. And he is... At, any one given time, he is mentoring at least two to four guys at all times. And it's because he's a good husband, he's a good leader, he's a good dad. He loves and he, God. And he loves God at his core. And so constantly is he is he with, with guys, and he's just the sweetest man. And so, you know, there's always guys within your church that are willing to do that. And I it's think that's so, a huge thing. It's so funny that Josh mentioned him, though, because... A few minutes ago when I was saying, like, you need to find even an older couple that could be your mentor. When I said those words, I thought of Ken and Mary Hobson. Those are the people I thought of. Because they uh, you what lived worldly lives. God saved them. And when they were older, they have a deep appreciation for God's saving and Jesus dying nice. on the cross for them and forgiving them of the things they've done. Mm -hmm. And they are extremely open to being honest and vulnerable, vulnerable about it. And also can speak the truth and love to people because they actually care about marriages and people improving and getting closer to God. So mm. it's so funny that he mentioned him that's a god thing because when i mentioned finding an older couple even that you could talk to those are the two that's the couple i thought of in my head yeah so amazing people so we hope you enjoyed somewhat hopefully there was something good that came from this and this we didn't is ask what their permission to talk about them so we're sorry and mary <laughs> in a good way though yeah bad. so i encourage you man or woman if you're on here encourage your man to reach out you guys can private message me if you want and uh you know if they're looking for something, a piece of advice. Oh, yeah. Anything. You know, I, I want to be any type of encouragement that it'll I possibly can. Yeah, it'll be completely private. Uh, you know, whatever conversations we have. To be honest with you, I mentor a lot of other guys. And so, uh, you know, I have a, a great opportunity to create great relationships with guys. And, um, you know, and, and, and send them in the right direction if they need it. So I encourage you guys to do that. So we want to thank you so much for being here. Sorry about our technical difficulties. Yeah, we'll do our Josh best. will have it fixed by next week. Let's pray because I don't know what went wrong. So we'll, fix it. we'll have to figure that out. All right. Thanks guys for being here. We'll see ya. Bye.